Hi, my name is Chris Bowling. Welcome back to Reader Radio. Today we have an episode that's been a long time coming. In August of 2021, I met with Sarah Johnson, a former city council candidate, biking, transit advocate, uh, community engagement advocate, uh, very loud voice uh, if you're ever at a Tuesday city council meeting. Um, the list goes on of her superlatives. But we met in Dewey Park um, in August of 2021 on a windy, cicada-filled day to talk about the Harney Street bike lane. Uh, the bike lane is a roughly two-mile stretch of narrow roads separated from car traffic by ballards, which are basically plastic posts sticking out of the ground. Um, I'll just say off the top, it's about way more than that, though. It covers 10 years, lots of acrimony, firings, city council members calling the cops on their own public works department, and above all, the question of who gets to decide how we change Omaha. If you paid attention to local politics lately, that's been a huge topic of conversation, with the accusations the city is making backroom deals with no transparency. But before we get into that, a little primer about the bike lane that's going to dominate a lot of today's conversation. So the Harney Street bike lane opened in summer 2021 with a big ribbon-cutting ceremony featuring Mayor Gene Stothard. It cost about $300,000 in nonprofit money and runs from midtown to downtown. But it was only supposed to be an 18-month pilot project. Um, in August, a city council amendment to make the bike lane permanent was vetoed by the mayor. The reason for the veto was that it didn't meet the description of a capital investment for the capital improvement plan, which you'll hear uh, today called a CIP. And basically, that's just the city saying what it plans to do for infrastructure over the next six years. That irked some like Johnson because conversations about this one protected bike lane, which Omaha until recently has had none of and most cities have many of, has been talked about since 2011 and it seemed the city was going to move forward on biking infrastructure way back then. But as of now, it's still a pilot and it remains to be seen what will happen. Um, all right, I think that's all we need to know. Let's get to my conversation with Sarah Johnson. introducing yourself and just tell me a little bit about um, how you got into biking and you know bike advocacy what your history with that is yeah totally so I'm Sarah Johnson uh, pronouns she her and I am a co-founder of Mode Shift Omaha and currently the volunteer and membership coordinator um, I'm the only staff member <laughs> I resigned from the board to take this position because our previous one took like a quote unquote, real job, full-time job, whatever you want to call it. But I got hooked on bikes um, about 20 years ago when I was going to Lincoln for journalism school, broadcasting specifically, and uh, worked at CycleWorks. Actually, the reason I started working at CycleWorks is because I got sexually harassed too much at my restaurant job. And I was like, dang, that's a bummer. I would like to not do that anymore. And so I was already hanging out at this bike shop and they were like, you're here all the time anyway, dude. You should probably just like get paid. And I was like, oh, that's a great, I love that idea. Let's do that. Um, anyway, so that's kind of how it all started. And then I just, yeah, got sucked in. You know, I was racing bikes, riding bikes, talking about bikes, trying to get more women on bikes, trying to just get people. I mean, in Lincoln, you know how it is in Lincoln, it's a college town, um, but I got one too many parking tickets and I was like, cars maybe aren't what is needed. You know, and when you can jump on your bike, you happen to get a workout or pedal off a hangover back in the day. I was, that was, you know, part of, it as well um, but it just made sense there and you could tell that you weren't you know people weren't throwing stuff at you there it, it was a different atmosphere than Omaha unfortunately but yeah so that was Wait, does that happen to you in Omaha yeah 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 how often uh, gratefully knock on picnic table uh, not very recently but yeah people still yeah I get yelled at semi-frequently whether it's um, you know get off the road 
get on the sidewalk. It used to be like, what do you think, you're Lance Armstrong? It's like, no, I don't think I'm Lance Armstrong. Um, I get called a fag sometimes just for riding a bike. I'm just like, what, what, do you, what are we, what's that about? But yeah, Mode Shift Omaha actually kind of got started about a decade ago when the Harney Street Project came up. We were, it was the um, revision of the transportation element of the master plan. So I was part of some stakeholder group. Like we've been doing these freaking studies for over a decade. You know, that's why like studies and surveys are trigger words for me at this point because I'm like, we have done them. We know what they say. They have said the same thing. Let's do the things that they say that we should be doing. But that's the part that's like the disconnect for me that just drives me mad because I don't know why we have to like consider if we should work on implementation funding. It's like, yeah, we fucking need to do that. Like that's what we need to do. <sighs> this is the point where my head explodes. But yeah, so mode shift uh, was just kind of a bunch of nerds sitting around in these meetings where we're like, wow, that's a really pretty rendition of what could happen to Harney Street. You know, it was like actual concrete barrier separated bike lane, two way cycle track type of a thing like they're trying to do here. Um, but not just with flexible bollards, they're actually like concrete with plantings and like a beautiful rendition of what we could have. And so we were at a meeting with these consultants in from Atlanta. This was literally a decade ago. And someone raised their hand and they're like, how do we get this from like, a plan on the shelf is something we can actually be pedaling on. And they said, well, usually there's like a grassroots group of advocates that kind of hold the city accountable. And at that point we passed the clipboard around and that was the, you know, the foundation of Mochi Omaha. You know, we started having a little bit of momentum. I mean, we, we created, it was in 2011, the heyday on May Day transportation element of the master plan had been like approved and they were going to kind of release it and present it if you will to the public and um, Derek Miller who still works in the planning department good guy um, but very monotone very like I don't know if you've ever met Derek but he's like okay we're probably going to have a PowerPoint presentation and present this to the public and I was like dude we could make this like something that people actually want to go to like why don't we have like a street party and actually show folks how this would work and yeah, we basically did it. Derek was like, okay, do you want to like do that? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I didn't know really what I was doing, but yeah, if we pulled it off, it was beautiful. Um, hundreds of people showed up. We actually had, um, we worked with the city and we closed one of the travel lanes down and we actually um, shut down from about where the interstate is, you know, like 28th or whatever to 24th. We have food trucks, we have bands, we get like, you know, a stage and an empty lot. We have it was cool. Metro area transit shows up. We're showing people how to put their bikes on buses. We um, get permission from the city to spray chalk um, a, a lane. And I borrowed little baby trees from nurseries and like did a tree line. Like I was pretty proud of it. That's probably one of the cooler events I've pulled off, you know, with Mode Shift um, and a bunch of other partners. But it was kind of my baby and it was great. So it was just like, wow, a, a complete street, you know, room for everybody. People on bikes, people on skateboards. We had kids, you know, able to pedal because they felt like it was a, a safe, barricade between moving car traffic and bike traffic. It was cool. I have like a picture of me and uh, Subtle, the mayor before Stothert. He has a helmet on because we had a photo booth there. Like it was great. It was actually like pretty cool. So then we got a bike pen coordinator. The city of Omaha, the first time they ever hired that position, also under Subtle. Then Stothert gets elected and she 
eliminates the bike ped coordinator. That was the first budget she passed. Bye-bye position. We don't need it. We already have bike lanes. That'd be like, we don't need a traffic engineer because we already have traffic. <laughs> That's not how it works. So anyway, she cans Carlos. Um, she disseminate, well, uh, like basically says the bike pedestrian advisory committee to the mayor doesn't need to be a thing anymore. Um, and she wiped out a bunch of shit right away. I was like, no, we're, out, we're good in the bike department. We don't need that. It's like, well, we were just starting to have some momentum that was building. Anyway, so we, again, Mochif puts together a rally at um, Exarvin Village. It's like a bike ped save, save coordinator position. We had, again, a couple hundred people show up in the rain, walking and biking and like little picket. It was, it was cool. Didn't matter. So the other thing that's important when we're talking about Harney Street is this project was in the CIP already. Subtle, moved it along. It was actually identified as a top-ranking project. So then it, it disappears from the CIP when Stothert takes over. So when I say we were closer to having a permanent bike lane eight years ago than we are right now, like that's kind of what I mean. Um, because now, you know, she just passed the budget in the CIP, which had zero dollars for protected infrastructure. Um, and at least Festerson tried to come up with an amendment. He kind of knew going into it. I mean, we emailed back and forth a little bit about it. He's like, we'll see if it sticks. It probably won't. Um, sure enough, she vetoed it last week. Or is it even, I don't even know what day this is. This week, they were not able to override the veto. I'm curious, like, what your reaction was when, the, when she vetoed it, when they didn't have the votes to override the veto. Um, yeah, just like what your reaction to all that was? Uh, you know, despair, frustration, anger, um, resentment. Like there's just a lot packed into it because again, this is something that we've, yeah, it's so many of us that have been working for a serious decade on this type of stuff. And so yes, we're all very frustrated. I'm looking at houses on Zillow right now in Madison, Wisconsin, like that's where I'm at. Um, my husband's an artist, he can work from wherever. He's to the point where he's like, wow, this is really frustrating here. I see it now because we've been together for about five years and he knows that I'm grumpy when I come back from meetings at City Hall because you know, this is, basically this is not surprising. Like I do try to hang on to some optimism so I don't just like become an absolute 100% pessimistic cynic, but I kind of knew that this would be the case. There's no champion at City Hall that wants, or that's able to think about things differently. That's why like Mochif, we say shift your thinking, right? Because that's the beginning of it. Is it. You don't just like instantly show up and understand that bike lanes should be on a lot of roads. You have to start thinking like, oh, what if I rode one trip a week on my bike? And then you realize like, oh wow, I'm saving money on gas. I feel better physically. I'm not, you know, helping the freaking planet be on fire even. You know, there's just like so many elements that we could get excited about with bikes, but it starts with like a shift in your thinking. Um, and I would say that Mayor Stothert is not interested in thinking differently. That's kind of the short story. Um, and there's nobody that's really gonna stand up to her, you know, or maybe there's four. I, was, I will say I'm proud of Festerson, Johnson, Begley, and Palermo for voting and saying, yeah, you know what, this is ridiculous. Pete specifically said, it's time to put our money where our mouth is. Yes, thank you, more please. But like, she doesn't get that. She was very happy to stand here and cut the ribbon on you know the opening of the lane but then the same week we find out there's no money in it 
to make it permanent. So it's like, which is it? You want the photo op? Cool. Okay, great. You're a politician. You're a good politician. I'll give her that. Like, <laughs> voting and elections have consequences, and we're dealing with those consequences again. And my vote's only one vote, and mode shift is only, you know, honestly, probably maybe a thousand people in the city, and that's definitely not, the membership is not that much. Um, but it's tough here because everybody, you know, I call it status quo, Maha. I don't have that sticker on my water bottle right now, but um, it's just really, really tough because everyone gets so comfortable and so complacent and then there's not enough impetus for change. Even though, you know, like we don't need to pass a $200 million road bond if we're all not driving monster trucks. Like if some of us are allowed to safely, efficiently get around town without a car, that's gonna actually make you look better, Mayor Stothert, because then you're not gonna have to pass road bonds. Yeah. You know, like there's just, there's so many angles to it that if someone just was able to look at it a little bit differently, we'd all be better off. There's a lot of things that aren't that complicated that just don't get done in the city, and it makes me crazy. Another perfect example, when they say pilot project, the reason I get so fussy is because there was supposedly a pilot project in the bike corral that was in front of my shop in Benson. So a bike corral is on street parking. So what we did is we took uh, one car parking spot and we turned it into parking for 12 people on bikes. Is that where you just have the like metal posts where you can just hook your bike up There's, to that? Yeah. Is that essentially so it what was, that is? It was six of those U-shape. I mean, they're probably somewhere in this park. Uh, I yeah. hope they are. Anyway, 12, meaning one per side of these six hoops. So, you know, some people would say that's just easy math, like 12 is more than one, right? And you're looking at parking customers, you're not looking at parking hunks of metal. So 12 is bigger than one. We like that, that's good. Let's talk about, you know, the parking problem in Benson. The problem is lack of imagination, and lack of creativity. We're forcing everyone to drive there, that's the problem. Anywho, that was installed with the help of Carlos before he was gone. We all worked really hard with the planning department, with Public Works. I got the state involved because Public Works said, oh, you know what, it's a state highway because Maple Street's a highway. Talk to the state. The state says, nope, it's a parking lane, not a travel lane. It's up to the city. Go back to the city. Okay, cool. Hi again, city. It's me. You get to work with us. Let's do this. And I had the BID on board, which the mayor has removed me from the BID in the past. I don't know if I've told you about that. <sighs> anyway, so the pilot project in Benson. We worked with a lot of, you know, we had letters from the Neighborhood Association, of course, Mode Shift, a um, lot of partners that were like, yes, this will be great. It was going to be the, it was the first one in the city of Omaha. So we get it installed. It's a wild success. There's people in it all the time. Like, I mean, yes, I had a bike and coffee shop there at the time. People were riding there to buy bikes and coffee from me. They were also at the bars because you know what? When you ride a bike to a bar, you're not driving drunk. You're operating a smaller, easier maneuverable vehicle. You're not endangering as many other people's lives. There's a lot of good reasons to get people on bikes when they're in Benson, right? So anyway, I closed my shop for health reasons at the end of 2019. Um, I got uh, an email from the planning department, the bike rat guy, saying, hey, Sarah, your shop's gone. We're talking about, should we, uh, we need to talk to the landlord to see if we need to move the bike corral or like what's gonna happen with the bike parking. And I was like, oh, you know what? I own the building. That's an easy answer. Like I've already actually talked to the BID board, which I've since been removed from and the neighborhood association and the, you know, like the neighbors, everyone's on board to keep it. He's like, okay, great. It'll stay then. I was like, perfect. Thought that was the end of it. Maybe two weeks later, I get a text message from one of my business neighbors up there and he's like hey Sarah the city's here removing the bike corral and I'm like what are you talking about we just had this conversation I have it in writing what the hell I'll be right there so I hop up on my bike get up there sure enough they're out there removing the bike corral I like put it out on Twitter like oh my god come up lock your bikes to the bike corral so one of my buddies Greg love you Greg locked his bike and left 
and, and I'm calling Festerson, I'm calling the mayor's hotline. I'm like, what the hell? I have it in writing that like, it's gonna stay. I call Kevin who told me that. He's like, oh, uh, I guess, yeah, I don't really have the authority to, to decide that it stays. It's like, okay, um, well, who does? So the bike corral gets ripped out. I'm on the phone with Festerson. Festerson calls the cops on public works. Like this is the type of cluster that this is. It's embarrassing. Everyone should be embarrassed. Um, Festerson gets on the phone with Todd Fitzer in traffic, public works, and he's like, uh, yeah, we'll look into it. It can, we, we can put it on hold. I'll talk to the mayor's office. So it gets put on hold. Then they finish removing it while Greg's bike is locked to it still. There's a big news story, because of course I call the press. I'm like, here's some bullshit. You want to talk about how cool bikes are in Omaha? Hmm. This is why I hate it here sometimes, because A, people tell you whatever they want and then aren't good for their word. And yeah, just and, and, and. So yeah, it's gone. Then we asked them, why did you remove it? Oh, because we had a complaint. Like you had a complaint. Also, if this is a pilot project, show me the data you've been collecting over the years that it has been here. Oh, well, we didn't collect any data. Okay, then don't call it a pilot. And don't tell me that one complaint is enough to remove it after years of success. And I know for a fact it was in use after my shop was gone too, because I have, I mean, there's another coffee shop down the street. Uh, used to be Aromas, now it's Hardy. You know, there's bars, there's like, people were using the bike corral. It was in use regardless. And my new tenants wanted it in place as well. They were surprised when it was gone. They, we had just signed the lease. Like it was, you know, no one wanted it gone except for apparently one person that made a complaint, which we actually filed a freedom, uh, not, not a FOIA, a records request, because I was like, this, it's on. Okay, you want to tell me there's complaints? Let's find the complaints. Oh yeah, there wasn't actually any real records that showed there were countless complaints and it had to be removed. We did find information that said, this might look political. Are you sure you want to do it? Mayor's office says, yep, rip it out. So, Okay, so the other thing that's interesting is Metro Smart Cities and Bike Walk Nebraska kind of turned into the like, you know, public-private partnership that there are some nonprofits that are working, you know, sort of with the city, although the city isn't exactly a partner. Stothard is the head of the Metro Smart Cities committee though. So it really is up to her if this works or does not work. But yeah, so there's not been a lot of publicity around how it all happened, um, which I am not a big fan of. I like transparency. I like what's happening or knowing what's happening. Um, but I know that it cost about $300,000. It's not quite two miles of lane and it was built in about a month. So it's not that hard. Um, but yeah, it was about to be two of them. It was supposed to be on Burt and Harney. And then it was like, okay, yeah, no, maybe just Tarney. And then there was nothing. And then it's like, okay, we're building it starting next week. And I'm like, Mochif didn't even really know. I didn't, like, usually when there's bike stuff going on, I have an idea about it. This just kind of like, okay, boom, there it is. The city is not always very communicative. Uh, and, you know, I will say that Bike Walk Nebraska, Julie Harris is somebody that I've been involved with since I moved back to Omaha and got involved with all this stuff about a decade ago. She does good work. She is very diplomatic. She's very slow and steady wins the race. It's not my style. I respect her. She's, you know, getting shit done, but it's just, I don't like talking about a pilot project for a decade. It's yeah. insulting at a point. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we want to talk about brain drain and like all these other things that are like, all of those 
counselors ran on all this shit, you know, just a few months ago. And yet, you know, it's like we could solve a lot of these problems if we just got real and addressed what's right in front of us. Because this is maybe not seems like a big deal to some folks, but like if we actually implemented a network, it would help a lot of the problems that they're trying to solve in City Hall all the time anyway. They just aren't looking at it like that. And then the CIP covers six years. So it's not saying, oh, it's in the CIP, we're spending it tomorrow. It's like, let's just earmark some money because we're thinking about these things, maybe in the next six years. But it kind of split party lines. And the Dems said, yeah, you know what? We've been talking about this for a decade. It's time to put our money where our mouth is. We understand that it will do all of these things that we claim to want to do in this city. It's a tiny amount of money. Pete said, you lose $500,000 like all the time in transportation funds. Like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. When we're talking about $129 million earmarked for parking garages compared to $0 earmarked for protected infrastructure lanes, we're really excited about storing private property for people with public money, but we're not interested in letting people, maybe that don't have cars, get around their city safely. It's so backwards, it makes me sick. Um, I think it could be better. I do think that I've seen a lot of cars and trucks parking in it, which I don't like. And the reason that that is the case is that it's just these little bollards, you know, like you can still drive into it if you want to. Um, the way it was designed originally and the, the, you know, beautiful drawings that we got excited about a decade ago showed it more like Lincoln's Lane, which is, you know, planters and it's actually a capital improvement because it wasn't just bollards and glue. Um, so it's better than nothing. I like that it's showing people that, hey, guess what? There are other ways of getting around town. Um, but what I don't like is that it's smashed up right against the curb where there's grates. And if you have, you know, a road bike like yours, that's why I ride fat tires in this city because the roads are trash. And when you're shoved into the gutter, there's sewer grates. So that's not good. There are low hanging branches that slap you in the face. That's not good. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of pushback on the, cause you know, God forbid you inconvenience a driver, a car driver the no turn on red arrows are blowing people's minds. Um, drive somewhere else. Like you're in a car, you can, you can push that pedal and make it go wherever you want. You don't get all of the roads. Actually, you do get all the roads. Like as a car driver, that's what this whole freaking city's built for you, in your car. So the fact that there is now one little stretch of lane for not even two miles and people are gonna have a hard time with that, cause it's gonna make them stop for an extra 30 seconds to maybe not smush and kill someone, I'm sorry. So it could be better. It's a matter of priorities. That's really what budgets are. You know, you've probably heard budgets are moral documents. Yes, they are. And our morals say we would really like to have a, an extremely well-militarized police department and sprawl and wider roads and unsafe intersections. That's what Omaha's priorities look like. And that's why I, I don't feel like I fit in here because I don't like a lot of those things. And I don't think that they actually contribute to our safety or well-being. And that's what we're supposed to be living in communities like this for, is so that we can have a better life together. And that is not what our budget points to. And it pisses me off all the time. And I shouldn't care this much. And I wish I didn't care this much. <sighs> it's just like, if one more person says, this is premature, we don't have the studies back, I'm going to flip my lid because it's not premature. We've been talking about it for a fucking decade. Yes, I understand that it, you've only seen the green paint and the bollards for three weeks. I understand that pretty clearly. But what you don't understand is how long we've been talking about this and how many other cities across the globe are seeing the massive benefits from these types of projects. 
We are not that unique. Omaha loves to think it is completely insulated and isolated from everything else. Like, why can we not learn? It makes me crazy. And it's so inefficient. We don't need to be making up all the stuff on our own. They're like, well, we really just don't know how we're gonna remove the snow. Are you serious? Have you heard of maybe Minneapolis? They have snow in bike lanes. You know, like we don't, we could we can talk to Lincoln. You don't have to go that far to be inspired. It's just Omaha cannot, I don't know, it's a problem. It makes me really sad because I'm from here, you know? Like I was in Colorado after Lincoln um, and I didn't think I was gonna be back in Omaha for that long. And I kind of got sucked into like some momentum with bike advocacy because I was like, oh, it'd be cooler to turn my city, my hometown into the place I want it to be rather than just bounce to some place that already has the things I want. Now I'm like, well, I've put in a decade and I'm about to bounce to some place that has the things that I want. We could have beautiful infrastructure. We could have low traffic networks. We could have, you know, a lot of different ways to do it. I mean, if I have excuses busted for every one of their problems, like it's too much money. Okay, fine. You know what's cheaper? Just planters that are slowing down through traffic. You know what low traffic networks are? That's a cheaper way of doing it. That's not capital improvement plan worthy, but it actually does the trick. You want to talk about flexible ballers? Yeah, that does help. That's $250,000, $300,000. That's better than nothing. You know, there are ways that are not expensive. There are ways that don't take years to build. There are ways, there are ways. We just don't have the political willpower. And that's the thing, that's why I ran. You know, I, I was a protest ran, to be completely frank. I knew I wasn't gonna unseat a very well-liked Democrat who's run forever and probably will with $100,000 in the bank to begin with. I knew that that was an uphill battle. But what I did really like was when he sent a flyer in the mail that had people on bikes on it. I was like, there, that's why, that's why I ran. Because I want people to start talking about it. And I want people to start realizing that people want this stuff and it's okay to take just like a tiny little step towards not car culture. And that's, I mean, that's why we say shift your thinking because it really does start with that. But it's, oof, Omaha is real handcuffed to their cars. I think people get frustrated because they're like, oh my gosh, you know, I think Omaha has so much potential and too little progress. You know, like there's so much potential and there's so many cool little neighborhoods that could be connected with these like low traffic networks. I would like, you know, I've got it all planned out and I'm not the only one. I don't even have a planning degree, you know, like I'm just a nerd who cares about this stuff. There are people in our very own planning department who have good ideas that can't get implemented because there's some ancient man in public works who doesn't think that it's possible or needs to happen. And it's easier to keep your job if you don't push. No, boring, over it. People don't like that. We gotta get with the times. I mean, we're falling behind regionally. Like again, you don't have to look that far to be inspired. Council Bluffs is doing more. That's, I mean, not to bag on Council Bluffs, but you don't really think that you're gonna watch Omaha get dropped by Council Bluffs. Papillion's got green paint. Like Lincoln's got an actual protected bike lane. These are not radical ideas. These are things that we're watching happen all over the place. Kansas City. You don't think of that as like some liberal hotbed of activity. You know, it's like fair free transit. That makes a big difference. Like there's just these little things that other communities are learning from other communities and doing it. We're not doing it. It's like, you don't have to take my word for it. You know, I don't rank cities, but some places do. And they say that we're not doing a great job. So yeah, it's, that's why it's frustrating. Like, um, yeah. 
There's bike-friendly communities. You know, you can apply for it as a city. Somebody lied on that application, I'll tell you that much for sure, because um, you should go to the League of American Cyclists website and check out their bike-friendly communities ratings and look at our report card. And it has been years since it's been updated, but there's some information on there that it's self-reported. So of course they're gonna tell the League of American Cyclists that we're doing a great job. But it's like, no, you fire the bike ped coordinator, you rip out infrastructure, we're actually regressing. We're not only not like excelling, we're not stagnant, we're taking steps backward. I've tried everything. I've been involved in advocacy organizations. I've run for office, you know, like I've, that was kind of my last ditch effort. I'm like, all right, now I'll be able to say I've tried everything because I don't know what else to do. If you know what to do, let me know. Like that's where I'm at. Um, because, you know, I started a nonprofit, I started a bike shop, I ran for, like, I'm trying, I'm trying. It, like, makes me fucking cry how much I'm trying. It's exhausting. Like, I really, I will start crying now. Great. Um, but I just, I don't know what else to do. And that's why, you know, you give up at a point because, yeah, I'm always the one that people call when they want to talk about bikes, but it's like, I don't know what else to say. I've said it all. And I've been saying the same thing for a decade. <laughs> it's weird that I'm so emotional about bikes. It's kind of embarrassing. just more of a matter of like feeling worthless <laughs> and not um I don't have to fit in everywhere I go I'm really used to not fitting in actually but just like feeling targeted and just like kind of ineffective and worthless is what it makes me feel but yeah it shouldn't be this hard and it doesn't have to be this hard that's the other thing you know like you feel like you're hitting your head against a wall and if you're like oh take a step back and then you're just dancing like they're, they're you just take the fucking wall away and I, Omaha's a wall. It's hard here. It's really hard here. When you ride on that bike lane now, like what sort of emotions do you feel? Do you feel any amount of joy that you finally are riding down it? Do you just feel frustration for what it, I mean, what do you, what do you feel like? And what does it represent to you? I mean, it kind of represents that like there is a place for bikes. You know, people on bikes do have a place in Omaha. It's temporary. That's always what, you know, like I can't really just let myself enjoy it as much as I want to um, because then I'm just like, better ride it while we got it. It's about to get fucking yanked out. But I will tell you, it's really satisfying to see green paint on the ground because uh, years ago, I don't, yeah, sometime within the last decade, Modeshift approached the city and said, hey, we would really like, we've, we've done some, you know, research and it looks like green paint at intersections really makes it safer for everyone at the intersection. Cars know where to stop. They know what to expect people or people on bikes or whatever. We wanted to paint trail crossings with green stripes. We had the budget for paint, we had the volunteers, we just needed the city to not send us a fine. And they said, nope, we'll never have green paint. It'll never be in the budget. We're not gonna tease people with something they can't have. Guess what? There's green paint right there. So like, that makes me a little bit happy. Um, but like, how much does green paint cost? Nothing. It's never about money. It's about priorities. And that's what is so painful about this. It's not that we are operating from a place where we don't have any money. There's so much, you know, no, there's not a scarcity problem. It's a spending and priorities problem. That's why it's so frustrating. Cause I know we don't not have it. We have everything we need in Omaha. We have, I mean, obviously we have a generous philanthropic community that stepped up and did it because they also recognize how silly it is and how embarrassing it is for Omaha to still be talking about something that is commonplace in a lot of other communities that has benefits for everyone. So, I mean, I, it's, it's definitely mixed feelings when I ride that thing. Um, I will tell you, I was riding to City Hall the other day for the budget hearing specifically, it was in the evening, and I saw four women 
I, I did know two of them, but the other two I did not know. And they were all riding in the bike lane. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because it used to be like back in the day, I seriously knew every single person I saw on a bike. Because I've always been like, you know, the girl on the bike, but, and there haven't been a lot of other women out there. Um, and now I'm running into people, gratefully not actually running into them. I'm seeing people on the bike lane that I don't recognize. And I love that. And of course I ring my bell and wave, you know, like half the time I think I like to be on my bike just because then I can like talk more. Obviously I talk too much. Um, but yeah, so it's exciting to not recognize people on the bike lane. We had a MoChiff meeting last night and I did like end the meeting by saying, all right, that was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of negative stuff. We talked about how much work we have to do, but here's some positive stuff. We actually worked with the new parks director, high five, director Kelsevich. He listened to us, you know, and we also rallied our membership to email city council to get them to prevent an e-bike ban on the city trails. So that was something that happened within the last year because they, before they even got it approved through city council, they made signs that said, e-bikes are not allowed, and at the bottom, they spelled parks and recreation wrong. That's how hastily they put stuff together. So thoughtless, so unreasonable, so unnecessary. Anyway, so we got that undone, gratefully. That was a win. We also, during that same process, because they were rewriting the parks rules, we got them to take away a very long time um, policy, which was trails are closed between 11 and five. Um, but guess what, trails are transportation. You don't close Dodge Street between certain hours so don't close the trails. So we got them to actually change that. That was a big win. We didn't really know if that one was gonna happen, but we got that happening. Uh, we also worked with Metro, the bus folks, um, because they were not allowing e-bikes on buses. And so we had a conversation with the new um, CEO there, Lauren Sensick, delightful human. Um, and she was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, we could talk about that. And I was like, oh, what? Oh my goodness, thank you. So many times it just comes down to a conversation, you know, and like questioning the policy. We don't need to just have things the way they always are just because that's the way they always are. And a lot of times Omaha just likes to do things the way they've always done it. And that, I'm not into that. Like that's, I, I want a more, because there's so many creative people here, there's so many brilliant people here and they don't feel like they're listened to. So first they become radicalized and they try to make a bigger difference and then they just get so frustrated, they're like, I gotta go. What's the detriment of doing things the way they've always been done? I mean, seems like a lot of people in Omaha seem to be all right with it, so why is it a problem? Well, I don't know that they are. They all moved to West Omaha trying to escape from the things that have just been left the way that they are. Um, so I'm not sure. Uh, I think that really what it is like with, and it's not even younger creative people necessarily. It's just like when there's a problem, let's crowdsource some ideas and then see what actually makes sense. And then when there is something that makes sense, let's try it. That's, I mean, I just don't understand why it takes a freaking decade to just try something. Like the fact that that is not a permanent piece of infrastructure after a decade, it's just now to the point where like, I guess we'll try it for 18 months. That's insulting. Like that's why people are leaving. It's not about bikes. It's about that type of attitude towards all sorts of problems. And it's just really not helping because that bike lane's not built for people like me. I ride year round. That's my car. Like my husband and I share a car because I really like to get around on my bike. Um, that is not gonna change the fact that I ride you know I'm riding anyway but it might change the fact that that lady rides or somebody you know somebody else who's not comfortable without protected infrastructure they might be inspired to ride and feel safe enough to do so now and that's really what that bike lane's for you know it's not for me when I had the bike shop that was the conversation I had regularly is like oh I would ride you know I sell somebody a new bike They're like it's too scary in Omaha you know drivers are texting and not paying attention and speeding and it's too scary I, I understand that some people are like, oh, Omaha just won't be a bike city. It's hilly and it's hot, but 
Heartland B-Cycle, their e-bikes are changing the game. I actually just got a text from a buddy today who's like, oh my God, I'm in Portland and I just rented an e-bike and I'm totally, I, it made me think I can totally ride Omaha if I'm on an e-bike. I hope that it'll change people's thinking and make them understand that like this is something that will make streets safer for everybody. It's less of a speedway now for people in cars, so hopefully everybody will understand that it's good. Yeah. Is it unfair to say that you can, you can um, you know, discern a lot about Omaha's priorities and Omaha's future by this two-mile stretch of bike lane? <sighs> I mean, that's not Omaha's bike lane. That's Sherwood Foundation's bike lane. So there's your answer. Like, that's not Omaha's bike lane. Omaha did not allocate money for that bike lane in the last eight years. That's really, I think, more of what it says. is like Omaha's going to fall behind if the private sector doesn't step up and say, wow, that's embarrassing. We're going to, I guess, have to do it for you, Omaha. I would just really like Omaha to lead on something, you know, like Metro with Orbit. That was exciting. The city didn't have a lot to do with that, frankly. Um, even just like, yeah, there's just a lot of, like Heartland B-Cycle, I guess Omaha did kind of try to, you know, they have like a relationship now, but B-Cycle are doing a lot of great things. Um, that, again, back to electric bikes. Um, MAPA is doing great stuff. The Chamber's doing a lot of stuff. Like, it's just the Omaha, city of Omaha is not leading. And that's disappointing to me. It's just a missed opportunity. Again, so many of these problems that they're trying to solve, they're just ignoring the answers. And that's why I just get so frustrated. I don't know what else to do. Yeah. That's why I ride my bike. It's a stress reliever. Yeah, not really in rush hour, though. All right, so that was my original conversation with Sarah back in August. Since then, a lot has happened if you're someone who pays attention to Omaha government. Most notably, plans coming to light that the downtown library would be bulldozed to make way for a new towering skyscraper, which would house Mutual of Omaha, an insurance company already situated less than two miles uh, west in Midtown. Even city council members who tried to buy the library some time said it seemed like there was little that they could do. The wrecking ball's coming, Councilmember Vinnie Palermo said. The library is going down. That didn't come before us. That was decided before it came to us. Many people like Johnson knew there was probably little they could do, and they used the occasion to point out more forcefully than ever that Omaha has a serious transparency problem. As a result, Johnson decided to leave Modeshift Omaha and step away from the advocacy that she centered her life around the past decade. Uh, here's a conversation I had with Sarah in mid-February to understand some of the reasons why. If you want to read a longer version, you should check out her article in Noise, which I'll link in the description. Anyway, here's our conversation. <sighs> but yeah, I'm just fried. Like, I'm just so tired and so resentful. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just not in a good place. And so I'm like, I don't need to continue, you know, interjecting my stupid angry voice into all these conversations anymore. Like, it just seems like not worth the anger anymore for me like I've been this fighter you know for the last I mean I've been back in Omaha for 13 years you know and I've just always been like yeah we can do this let's like the more people we get we can write the letters we can show up at city hall we can like organize and change some stuff I mean you know like I've been ran for city council like I'm trying everything I can think of and it's just not there's been like so many last straws you know like uh I mean, obviously this library streetcar mutual of Omaha debacle was the last, last, last straw. Um, but there's also just like this feeling that like, regardless of how well we organize, it's just not 
making the difference that I have been wanting it to make. And it's, I mean, I feel like, you know, I keep saying I, 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 when you are talking to me, but I know that it's so much bigger than just me. So I'm trying to, you know, make sure that just because I'm stepping out, it's not like the movement's stopping. It's just, I have to take myself out of the game for a while. And maybe it's not forever. We also were talking about moving. Like we don't know what we're doing. You know, I am super privileged to be in a position where for the first time in my literal life, I'm not living check to check. So I, you know, sold the building in Benson where my bike shop was. And so that has given me the opportunity to kind of like pause and reflect on what, you know, what was good over the last 10 years that I've been doing this stuff. What was not working? Like, what do I actually enjoy? Because, you know, there's so much of my identity, it feels like is tied in with bike walk, you know, like mode shift and the bike shop and all that. And now that I'm not doing that, it's just interesting because I don't know what's next. You know, everyone's like, oh, what are you, you quit mode shift, where are you going now? And I'm like, nowhere fast, ideally. Like, I don't want to, there is no new, new like, next big deal. There's no next thing right, right now for me. Um, and yeah, the feedback that I got was a lot of that. Like, you've put in your time, thank you. That is totally okay to sit down and take a break, you know? Yeah. So it's it's been good from that regard. It's just also, I'm not good at it. Like, you know, you come over and I'm still listening to city council. It is a Tuesday afternoon. I can't pull myself away. Um, but it is a lot different feeling for me. Like, I would literally be in the city council chambers, like, and I'd start to feel myself fucking shake. Like, I was having visceral reaction to how upset I was getting. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, you don't have to do this. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, you've been so influential. You've been, you know, like I've considered you my mentor or I look up to you and this, like, you've put a new fury in me. You've, I'm going to change the way I'm, you know, these tactics might not wor be working, but I still have energy and we're going to try something else. And, you know, just a lot of really awesome, nice support. And then a lot of people, um, probably happy that I've decided to say enough's enough, you know, because, um. Because yeah. there's some behind-the-scenes shit that, like, hopefully will go better now that Sarah Johnson isn't associated with Mode Shift, you know? Like, I mean, because, you know, like, I'm a loud mouth. I get really upset, and then I talk about it. And a lot of people get upset, and then they're just very quiet, and it's Nebraska nice, and it's toxic positivity, and I fucking hate it. I'm not, like, I'm from here, but that's not how I'm wired. And so I know that in order to get some stuff done in Omaha, you have to play nice, and you have to kiss ass, and you have to do the things that I don't want to do. And so, you know what? Hopefully more stuff will get done. Now that my name is not associated with MoShift, I hope that. Like, yeah. I really hope that. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Uh, production was handled by me, Chris Bowling, and music was by John Ricks. You can find him at p0h underscore k at bandcamp.com. Thanks to Sarah Johnson for talking with me, and we will see you guys next time.